Welcome to the podcast at thatguitarlover.com. I'm Ross Chevalier. I recently wrote a quick review of the Fender Tone Master Pro and followed that up with a very deep dive into the product. What I learned from the comments about the first article and from the first comment so far on the deep dive is that we as musicians owe it to ourselves to be cautious with our information sources. This episode is not a screed against Fender specifically. It applies across all music gear, although you will probably recognize some traits that Fender uses consistently because their marketing department does excellent work in alignment to the company mission, which is to sell as much gear to as many people as possible while maximizing profit. As a business executive in my real life, this adherence to mission is completely commendable. However, we as potential customers must understand that the mission of every maker and every re reviewer and every seller is important. To choose not to understand may not be fatal, but it sure won't help. Let's start with talking about the makers first. A manufacturer of anything has to sell what they make and has to sell it for the highest profit that the market will bear. Since COVID, most makers have engaged in regular price hikes, some specifying no reason, some blaming supply chain issues, and others providing assurance that the increases are not their fault. The second reason is not probable to be true any longer, and the third is primarily disingenuousness on the part of the statement issuer. We must therefore expect and understand that any claim by any maker will strive to place their latest offering as the best available. Sometimes this is done by denigrating the competition, sometimes by calling it an upgrade over the previous model, and most recently by calling a new release, a limited edition or signature model. Whether you buy into any of these is your choice, but be certain that none of these messages are for your benefit. They exist solely to benefit the manufacturer. Many buyers have already noted that the limited whatever is just the same old thing shot with a different paint color and that allegedly justifies a higher price. Yes, some paints are more demanding and are harder to do well, but we're talking about manufacturing companies. They know how to shoot color onto something, and in the long end, this does not incur a higher cost. It's basically fishing. Others have noted that the alleged improvement is actually a degradation by the use of less reliable or precise parts, Examples include potentiometers, jacks, tuners, woods, and other components. The change to Indian laurel for fretboards from Indian or Madagascar rosewood is a cost saving to the maker, but it's a cost saving that's not passed on to the consumer. Many makers will use a special sounding wood to imply a better quality. And by sound, I mean an exotic name. One example is Nyato. This is a very common wood in Asia, used mostly for making shipping pallets. Pallets are never made from expensive or rare woods. Pallets are made of the cheapest stuff available, 
Fancy names can be misleading when the facts are not evident. Other observations made by customers include charging more for a one-piece neck over a multi-piece neck, even though the physics prove irrefutably that multi-piece necks are more dimensionally stable and less likely to warp or twist. You might prefer the cosmetic look of a one-piece neck, and that's cool, but it's rare that these necks are quarter-sawn and are instead flat-sawn, which is the least stable option in a single-piece neck. Some vendors will specify quarter-sawn necks and even bodies, and if you get that, it's a better choice than flat-sawn. However, quarter-sawn may have a different look in the finished product than flat-sawn woods. Another way for a maker to save money and increase profit is to use old designs not changed in 70 years. It worked then, so it must be vintage and therefore better is their mantra. This is complete bullshit, but makers are very smart and know that the use of the word vintage implies better when it actually just means old. Smaller companies actually innovate in areas like bridges, tuners, pickups, whereas the so-called vintage makers are not innovating at all, merely repurposing an old design, and the problems from those old designs are still present. In fact, some makers have moved from using forged metal parts to stamped, or even worse, cast metal parts. This delivers a piece that looks the same, but does not have the integrity of a forged part, more of one carved from a billet of the particular metal. Stores that deal directly with customers are similarly challenged. Makers set the price using a model called Minimum Advertised Price. We know it as MAP. It is, for all intents and purposes, price fixing. MAP doesn't mean that a seller cannot sell below MAP. It means that they cannot advertise a price below MAP. While this was meant to prevent unscrupulous sellers from offering prices that a real dealer could never match, and then, after they took your money, failed to deliver what you bought, or deliver the wrong item entirely. When a maker increases MAP, they also increase the dealer cost. The dealer is not making more profit. At best, it's the same profitability as before. Makers also reduce MAP. But when they do, they don't provide a credit to the store that has inventory already on hand. So the store makes less money. If you don't deal with a good music shop, you probably could care less. But if you do, understand that that dealer's ability to be there and offer the services that so many customers take advantage of with no concerns of the cost involved are going to be damaged. We've seen a huge number of independent stores close their doors in the last couple of years, and even giants like Guitar Center are failures from a business and finance perspective. Dealers also have to purchase products that they fear will not sell because of the nature of their dealership agreement. They have to buy them to maintain the dealership, or they'll be unable to buy the products that they know will sell without taking on junk that no one actually wants to buy. One might think of the Acoustacaster as a relevant example. I've never been in a, in a guitar shop anywhere I've been in North America that is not stuck with some of these things if they are a full-range Fender dealer. 
Bender is not the only maker that does this. The example is simply foremost in mind following my seeing an ad for a, quote, used, unquote, Acousticaster that's been on the wall for over two years and has been used a few times by people trying to find out if it fits their needs. Given that it's never sold, I conclude that the answer to the need fit question has been a resounding no. Stores are also being attacked by the very makers whose existence remains because of those stores in the first place. Gibson, Fender, Taylor, Martin, and PRS are all companies whose business was built on the backs of quality sellers in, in cities and towns around the world. Every one of those makers now sells direct for the same map price that the dealers sell at. The difference is that the margin that the dealer would have made is now kept directly by the maker. The maker makes more profit. Dealers have to buy from the makers, so they have products to sell, all the while the makers are cutting them out of the transaction wherever they can. Customers who buy from a maker have already learned that none of these makers have the organizations in place to handle the requirements of end-user sales and support over time. They don't know how to do it, and building that infrastructure is going to cost money. So they're not going to do it. Instead, what they'll do is direct all the concerns to their local dealers, who made no money on the sale of the instrument but will be compelled to support it. You may choose to only buy products sold in stores where the maker does not go direct. Or to buy products from makers who only have a direct sales model and who understand how to provide excellent end-user service. This is why companies like Strandberg, Emerald, and Kiesel are growing. They build superb products at fair prices and deliver superb support. Independents will still be able to sell accessories, and those who have good techs on site will be able to provide chargeable services, all without getting screwed by the maker up front. As a consequence, no dealer representing any maker is ever going to tell you not to buy something because it could, and probably would, affect their dealership agreement. This makes it hard on some of the people working in these stores because they want to be honest, they want to be credible, and they want to earn your trust. You've probably noticed on some review videos, and I'm going to use Anderton's as an example, that everything they've ever reviewed is awesome and the best ever. Their business is to sell you stuff, not to say what their professionals may actually believe. I've watched these videos myself from time to time, but I actively disbelieve any comments about any product's greatness shared in an Anderton's videos because those claims are not for my benefit, they're for the benefit of the Anderton sales organization. I don't fault them for that, but I also know what I'm hearing. Lastly, we're going to come to reviewers. If you've been hit on release day of most new anything from any of the big companies with a slew of YouTube videos about how great this brand new whatever is, it behooves you to realize that these providers of reviews are actually just paid advertisers. Influencers, whatever you want to call them, get paid to tell you something is great. That's their job. Their mission is to get paid. If you believe them, they win. 
because you think that they're acting in your best interest when in fact it's the opposite. It's how these people make money. And the music influencers are probably the dumbest of all influencers as they can make 10 to 50 times as much money blathering about hotels, clothing, makeup, and snake oil medicine. If P.T. Barnum were alive today, he would have influencers all over the place because he understood that the general public is not upset about being fooled. They actually like it. They don't mind being lied to, and they want to be friends with those who would rip them off. Paid influencers are prostitutes. I have no particular issue with that, but a musician needs to be aware of what they're getting. Now, there are some reviewers who do it for their own pleasure, or they earn money from it, but they always directly acknowledge that they were sent a product for review and that they were not paid to do the review. They didn't get to keep the product after the review, and they didn't allow the maker to approve the review before it was published. Philip McKnight of Know Your Gear is one fellow like this. A lot of companies won't send him gear because he's chosen to be honest. Always declares if he receives any compensation in any form for any goods that he refuses. He refuses to have his reviews approved in advance. And when he does get gear, he's getting a lot of it by using member donations or will get a short-term loan from a seller or, as many of us do, buys the thing himself. Keith Williams of 5 Watt World is similar. He offers you his honest opinion. For myself, I will occasionally get a short-term loan of a product for review purposes, although mostly I review things that I've bought myself. I don't receive any compensation for any of my work, and when I have been loaned gear, I always credit where I got it. I do it for myself, because doing these reviews and this kind of work gives me pleasure. No one's under any obligation to accept my opinion, and I actively encourage readers and listeners to go make up their own minds by trying the stuff themselves. This is because my use cases are not likely to be identical to those of everybody else. In summary, if you understand the mission of the messenger, you understand how much it means to you as a person. If you choose not to understand, you've still made a choice albeit a really lousy one. I hope that you found this episode valuable. Thanks as always for listening. Please leave a comment or send in a question. I read and respond to all. For the podcast at thatguitarlover.com, I'm Ross Chevalier and I bid you peace.